0: Before we start this episode of Dr cast, we'd like to draw your attention to BLAM UK, a charity which promotes a truthful discourse of blackness through analysis of history, by providing more diverse education for young people. Right now, you can donate to help BLAM organise free lessons on black history for children. And if you are a white fan of Dr Who and want to continue to learn, educate and be more actively anti-racist, I'd like to recommend the podcast Woke Dr Who, who have done several episodes on how race in both the fandom and the show has been portrayed. I'd especially recommend the episode Martha My Dear, which goes a long way to explain the toxic institutionalised racism that we as Doctor Who fans need to reject in ourselves and in our community to create a better world. So Charlie, I want to start this episode off by giving a massive FU to the Future National Trust.
1: That sounds very reasonable.
0: Completely. I mean, in this episode, we are told that the um, the Earth has been switched back to a classic Earth, even though the tectonic plates have been moved in a way due to the whim of the rich, essentially. Um, What makes a classic Earth is my main question. And B, all this power and influence to to decide on a classic Earth. It's the year five billion and the classic Earth they choose is from... A period of about ten thousand years. That yeah, I
1: don't know. They they do say they do say explicitly that it is roses Earth because she recognizes it and where the plates are and where the continents are. So it is definitely our time. Yes, like did something awesome happen in our time that is like the the earth everyone wants to see.
0: Well, I suppose if you if let's let's do let's let's do this as an episode um an episode of head Doctor Who cast the Head special. That's
1: every episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, if you think about like what we're told later on is that the humans discover intergalactic space travel in, in 2070. We learned that in, in Waters of Mars. Yeah. So if you think about that as a as a period, 2070 being our first step into the world then i suppose a classic earth would be around about that time because that's our
1: because that's the earth that was discovered by the majority of alien races
0: exactly yes okay that's an interesting
1: theory but i think it was just kind of a cute thing that rusty davis put in
0: yeah it was a it was an it was a nice little cute thing to like say don't ask too many questions it's not don't ask too many that questions happens to
1: line up with a later episode
0: yes exactly he, did did davis write waters of mars that's a very good question. I think he did. I think he wrote all the four specials in that time. Um,
1: I think he did too. I'm just going to look. I'm just looking it up.
0: Having a quick go- quick Google. <laughs> in our introduction,
1: we're already Googling. I love it. Quick Google <laughs> because because it's weird to it's weird to speculate when we do, when the information does exist and is readily accessible.
0: True. I also love how we started a podcast by saying "F you" to a charity. That's fun.
1: Yeah, but. but it was futuristic national trust it wasn't Yes it's
0: futuristic fictional fictional national trust
1: Yeah but another thing is <laughs> it's still called the national trust <laughs> Yeah which implies that <laughs> the whole planet is british which do- which does explain a lot of futuristic episodes of doctor who
0: <laughs> Oh yeah
1: like new new york everyone's british
0: Yeah and also explains how um, you can't see Scotland on the map, and I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Nicola Sturgeon's furious, it's like a data ghost, five billion years later. It's like, fuck's sake.
1: I think she's got bigger problems right now. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. So. <laughs> what did you find? Did um, you find out? Uh, yeah, it was Rusty Davis, didn't I say It that? was Rusty Davis. Oh, did I not say? I looked it up and then didn't tell you.
0: No, I know. The whole point of me
1: stalling was for you to get the fact, Charlie. That was you stalling. It sounded so convincing and I just wanted to continue the conversation.
0: Aww. How are you doing, mate? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, good. Yeah. Feeling good. Feeling great. Feeling centred. Have, have you found
1: this... Um, it's something that occurred to me today. I had more time more spare time when i wasn't under lockdown which is weird
0: yeah i feel like well yes and no i feel like what what i have more spare time but i'm sort of like putting my spare time into like okay because i'm on lockdown my spare time should be should be used more effectively right so i'm not now like okay i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and suddenly my spare time still is spare time because i don't do the thing but i'm but, still working about not doing the is- thing
1: <laughs> Being home and then you're with your family. So a lot of time is taken up interacting with family as opposed to when you're living alone or living with flatmates, you can just disappear into your own space, which you don't really have the option to do when you're with family because they take it personally in a way that roommates tend not to.
0: I just had the most, like, non-fun, fun fun family moment because my mum is leaving her job and she's got to, um, like, film this, like... Bring me sunshine more and wise thing. Right. Um, and for everyone's doing it. I've I've been tasked to edit it with my amazing editing skills. Um so she had to sing Bring Me Sunshine outside, but with holding a spoon as a microphone, catching the spoon. You know, like throw someone throws a spoon, another there's an edit and then you catch the spoon. Well,
1: I, I I know what catching means. <laughs> You know when it's in the air and not in your hand, and then suddenly <laughs> it is in your hand. That's called catching.
0: Oh my god, I'm glad that we've got that sorted. Um, no, honestly, it, t- it, took, it took like an hour for us to sort out the catching. Like, mum was dropping it in front sentence, she's like, I'm just focusing on the catching and not the words. And I was like, just don't focus on the catching, it's fine, you've got this.
1: Wait, so was, was she like, singing or lip syncing?
0: Lip syncing. Well, it was kind of half singing, half lip syncing. Yeah. If a finished product will be lip-syncing, she herself was sort of mumbling.
1: Looks like she could have done with Nicholas Briggs doing a dubbing.
0: (laughs) Now that is a great transition.
1: Cue titles! It's a bad one. We have titles. hi welcome to dr Heathcast. Huge cast huge cast huge cast with me charlie harris
0: and me will paxton aren't you lucky yes i know
1: uh, that's our title podcast that's the, the, this t- is the, the podcast t- where we okay
0: yeah uh, c- uh, can i talk no you go uh,
1: can i talk <laughs> you can talk are you sure?
0: Yeah, go on. Why not?
1: This is the podcast where we go chronologically through every episode of Doctor Who from 2005.
0: Lovely introduction. Very well. Very well said. Very very clear. It's nice when someone's not talking over you. I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh dear. So this week we are covering End of the World, episode two. Um, which I am very excited to cover because Rose is great. we we both talked about last last week's episode how we thought Rose was an amazing opener. It caught like our it had my, my me being a previous doctor who fan it, it it got my previous um it it got my excitement going um to see the the new format uh, introduced every, the the doctor very well, and she's rose very well. But I suppose yeah. this episode. Is, is more of a difficult cast because it's going to introduce the world. This is the world that Doctor Who inhabits, and these are the type of creatures that it, that we are coming across. And it's great. Yeah. I have a great time.
1: I think it's a really, really fun episode. Why don't you tell us a bit about what happens, but keep it to about 30 seconds because you do tend to ramble.
0: <laughs> okay, this is going to be quick and concise. Okay, It won't. Okay, there's gonna be a ticking clock um, thing, and it's I, yeah, I want to do Weakest Link. So no, not Weakest Link. What's what's that show? Countdown. Countdown. Countdown.
1: What? What? You know the show where they count down. What's it called?
0: <laughs> yeah, Weakest Link, right? Yeah, that show about clocks. Weakest Link. Um, so Doctor and Rose go to the end. Go to the end of the end of the Earth as we know it. It's the year five billion approximately. Um, the the rich are gathering to see the Earth burn. Uh, among the rich is this person called cassandra she's the last living human she's flat because she has had so much plastic surgery um some things start happening on the ship robots explode all these 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 robots that 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 are given as gifts by these people in black cloaks doctor finds out that these black coat p- cloak people are not the bad guys they're just robots it's actually Cassandra Cassandra teleports away and <laughs> Cassandra teleports away. Uh, my laugh is because Charlie is playing the countdown music underneath and all of my tension has just risen up. And there's the clock. I'm done. <laughs> it's over. Um, yeah. The, the, the episode ends on Cassandra escaping and the Doctor and Rose dying. There we go. That's, that's enough.
1: <laughs> this has been the final episode of Doctor Who'd cursed.
0: Yeah. It was a, it's a weird series, Doctor Who. only last, lasted two episodes lasted in one two season. Two episodes. They brought this
1: character back from the dead. No, back from um hiatus just to kill him off in two episodes. Yeah,
0: literally. <laughs> and so you want to make a, got a spin off show because of it.
1: She is the star of I mean, in all seriousness, she is the star of this
0: episode. What do you th- what do you think of the story? I think it's a good story. I think that um it's odd that it's it's odd that it's the first place that the doctor takes Rose is the end of the world. That's odd. That's an odd decision.
1: An odd decision by the Doctor or an odd decision by Rusty Davis?
0: It's not an odd decision by Rusty Davis. It's I think it's a clever idea keeping keeping us to the earth but at, at, at such a big time jump. Like, I don't think Doctor Who has done one of these big time jumps before, like, this, this far in the future. Um, yeah, they
1: have. They have. Have they? Because this period is covered by a 1966 episode, actually. Oh, really? called The Ark, which is from the point of view of the humans um, escaping Earth.
0: Look at that, Charlie. That is knowledge.
1: No, it's IMDB trivia. <laughs> it's
0: the same thing. That counts as knowledge. Is
1: it, do you feel a bit like it should have been a two-parter?
0: Yes, I think so. I think it would have been... I mean, they wouldn't have had the budget. I mean, Cassandra cost <laughs> thousands.
1: No. No, you're, 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 right, you're right about that. But I suppose what I mean is it is so obviously the person who is acting like an evil person who is the evil person.
0: Yeah, I think it would be funner if we had more of a misdirect, And I think, especially because in Boomtown, not Boomtown, um, uh, New Earth, uh, yeah. we have Cassandra not just as the villain, but as kind of sort of like a, like an anti, like a... Like a she's an
1: anti-villain. An anti-villain. I don't want to
0: say an anti-hero because she's definitely not a hero, but she's an anti-villain. No,
1: well... An anti-hero is a hero that acts like a villain, and an anti-villain is a villain with sympathetic traits.
0: Yes, and I think that it would have been nice to introduce the anti-villain nature of Cassandra in this episode, so that we don't trust that it's her, like, her plot. It's not her maniacal plot. Do you think it's hinted at? I
1: I don't know whether they knew they wanted to bring her back. I don't think they knew whether or not they'd have a second series.
0: No, I agree. But I think if you're going to do a two-parter in this episode, I think that the main thing you need to change is making Cassandra a bit less suspicious. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they do... Or making the adherence of the repeated meme more embodied and less, less than robots. Or more... Sorry, more than robots.
1: But I guess that's kind of the whole point of the adherence of the repeated meme.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Do you think in this episode they do flesh out uh, if you'll excuse the pun <laughs> <laughs> they do
0: they
1: do they do flesh out cassandra uh,
0: well, her flesh is out um, it's, all out. But it's it, all out
1: it it is interesting because i was, I was looking particularly for it in the last time I watched it, which was just that they do kind of give her these moments of insecurity Yes, and I think that so do, do you know the um idea behind cassandra and we'll talk a bit about this later but
0: well i know it's an idea about sort of imp- imperfection and kind of try- trying to chase like cosmetic surgery and etc but i don't know the full story behind it
1: well she's not is it... she's not based on nicole kidman but ap- according to Ross T. davis she was um inspired by nicole kidman really because all right so this is the quote um It was horrific seeing those beautiful women reduced to sticks. Nicole Kidman struck me in particular. Nicole is one of the most beautiful women in the world, but she looks horrifying because she's so thin. It's like we're killing these women in public. We watch while you die. Which is dark as fuck.
0: That is really dark.
1: But it's basically the idea of, like you said, chasing imperfection and wanting to sort of take away more and more of yourself to chase this ideal. And I think Cassandra takes that to a ludicrous and hilarious, but also tragic conclusion.
0: Well, I think that it's also the the staying power of this episode is that in 2005, when this was aired, yes, this, this was still a problem that Rusty Davis talks about. But like with the, the popularization of social media and et cetera, like body image has become such a, such a, such a, point a talk point about mental health and about how you actually view your own body and about these words like this i don't think we were talking about the phrase body dysmorphia in 2005
1: no i I, am not sure maybe the word existed but it wasn't it wasn't in popular discourse
0: yes exactly but
1: having said that are we reading too much into that because at the end of the day she is still a figure a figure of ridicule
0: a figure of ridicule and a fig and, and a baddie as well
1: yeah, I I think she becomes much more sympathetic the next time we see her. Mm. But I I think she is a really good villain for an early episode of this revival. I think she embodies the humor of the new series. I think she embodies the sort of pop culture sensitivity of the new series.
0: Yeah, I think so. I'm thinking about the villains in this series and how uh,
1: we how... can get to that. We can get to that a bit later. Oh yeah,
0: let's go into let's, shall we go Shall we go into our let's let's talk about the let's talk about the doctor. Um, okay, let's talk about the let's doctor talk first. About the doctor. Um, he we've already said that it's a weird decision to take Rose to the end of the world. Do you think it's kind of like a test to see how well she deals with these this dark subject matter, the reality of traveling in it in space and time, rather than like all the the fun and the pomp and the circumstance and the frills of the imagined reality of it?
1: Um honestly no. Okay. I don't, get, I don't get that impression because there's sort of a, a thing that comes about um, later in this season, but also the beginning of season three, the idea that companions start off with a sort of probation. Yes. So you have, like, Adam who gets dropped after one adventure. You have Martha who's only meant to go on one journey. I get the impression that compared to those scenarios the doctor is very very taken with rose Mm. i think the doctor is sort of not necessarily romantically in a straightforward way but i think he is totally besotted with this young woman i don't think the idea of him not taking her anywhere or leaving or taking her back home or need or even needing to test her Crosses his mind until he's until he's provoked. I don't think it's something that he arrives at on his own. I I I think in this episode they disagree on things, but it's never oh you shouldn't have come or this is a test. You don't. He's not manipulative. He's dark and he's serious, but he's he's very to the point and he's very straightforward as a character. Hmm.
0: I think What's... that I think that I was just thinking about the a line that he says l- later when Rose is talking about how tardis gets into his head and he just says oh i didn't think about it like that um and i think that's i think that's the main thing with this doctor is he just doesn't think about he he's very alien like he is he is alien
1: he is one of the most i I think he's probably in my opinion the second most alien of the modern doctors
0: Mm. and i think that's another success about this this um episode is it kind of like it it took it's we get all of the aliens that we've been sort of that a doctor who fan would crave for, like crazy suits and heads in a jar, and the Mox of Balhun on a on a on a on a plinth that has to be rolled in mm. with a I love the Mox of
1: Balhun. I think he's. A Mox, op. We
0: will we will dedicate an episode to the Mox of Balhun at one point <laughs> when we, when we run out of content. We want to do bonus more bonus episodes. We will dedicate a whole episode to the Mox of Balhun.
1: We have to put out some episodes first, but yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, literally. Yeah. Episode two, we're saying this. Um, um, but I think, it, I think the success of the episode is that out of all of the aliens, the most alien is the Doctor and Cassandra, who's a human, I would say.
1: I disagree. I think the most alien character on platform one is Rose.
0: Okay. Now, now I, I would agree with you in that, in that sense as well.
1: I I know that you weren't really including her in the thing, but out of everyone there, she is as much an alien as any of them.
0: And I think that's, I think the idea of what an alien is in this episode isn't, is that's what's nice about it, is that it sort of challenges your idea of what is an alien.
1: But also the idea of what a human is, is very alien to a human. Mm. People acknowledge Cassandra as the last human, which is crazy to Rose because... She's unrecognisable as a human.
0: Yeah, literally.
1: And I and I think that's such a nice angle. And at the end of the day, Rose is the one that storms off. She's the one that can't be around. She's the one that finds the whole thing a bit ridiculous.
0: Yeah, completely. I was born on that planet. And so was my mum,
1: and so was my dad. And that makes me officially the last human being in this room, because... You're not human. You've had it all nipped and tucked and flattened till there's nothing left. Anything human got chucked in the bin. You're just skin, Cassandra. Lipstick and skin.
0: Nice talking.
1: I love Rose in this episode. I think she is such a good foil for how the Doctor's feeling and what he's going through. And I think seeing something like the end of the world, I think she is the perfect point of view for this audience just coming onto Doctor Who
0: yes i i agree i think that how using the, there's a lot of th- different uses of companions especially going forward some companions are really competent they're really good at like getting the science the technology and what to do and there are some companions that are act as more of an emotional compass and there are some that's that the balance between the two and i think rose is rose as a, to the audience is competent but in, especially in this first series, where she is not, she's not too competent. She's not she's competent, and she's particularly
1: too. competent in especially the first half of this series.
0: No, I, I would say so too. But um, I think that she definitely has an emotional center, and emotional like reality and grounding. And I think she is a perfect person for the audience to see through her eyes. I think that's why people, people who who stopped watching Doctor Who, remember rose and remember billy piper's performance as as a big part of their childhood and i think that's the reason is i think that she's she's an every woman and in the best way yeah she's she's an exceptional every woman
1: what we talked about before is that she's also the new target demographic for doctor who it's not sci-fi nerds it's not people who are socially awkward it is people who work in shops it's people who dress fashionably it's people who have boyfriends it's not it's a really cool trick to have, who was at the time a popular celebrity, and not associated with this type of intense fandom, playing the lead in a sci-fi series. I think that, oh, I, I, and I, I wonder how much it, it takes from shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and The X Files. The fact that you do have these very zeitgeisty characters, very Popular actors at the centre of these very nerdy genres. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that Doctor Who, the new revival, owes a lot to Buffy. Um, tangent, I've never really seen Buffy. I need—is that a thing that I need to watch? Is it a thing that would I would love? Because I've been told that by a lot of people that Buffy is like I like you'd love it.
1: I, I don't I don't know enough. I've not seen enough of it to know whether to recommend it. I just know that Sarah Michelle Gellar was cool in the early two thousands
0: that's true the only other thing i know about that is that anthony head is in it and i love anthony head
1: um do you know who he
0: is
1: (laughs) i know that he's not anthony michael hall who is brian in the breakfast club
0: i believe anthony head is the guy who plays the krillatane leader
1: yes i think you're right and he's angel he's angel he's angel in buffy right yes
0: yeah yes yes um and if and if anyone's ever watched the first in between us film he's the dad. Is he? Well, he's Will's dad. Yeah.
1: I thought that was yeah. Colmini. I'm sure again I'm sure you're <laughs> right. I had in my head. No, I had in my I had in my head that it was Colmini. I'm sure you're right. Okay. Anyway. No one accidentally imagines Anthony Head when he's not there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You don't see an action go. I could have sworn that was Anthony Head in that role. No one ever thinks about it. No. Not since Buffy.
0: Not since Buffy. No, I, never, I only think about him in, the, in that Quillotine episode because he is such a good villain in that episode. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's probably six months ahead of our podcast schedule. Let's get back on track.
1: I feel bad for, for Anthony Michael Head. But, no, Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> I feel bad for Anthony Michael. Because I always get them mixed up. I feel bad for Anthony Michael Hall because he was the kid in the Vacation movies, which they rebooted, and he was Chevy Chase's son, and the reboot had the son being the lead, but they had Ed Helms, not Anthony Michael Hall, which I, I feel bad.
0: Oh. Yeah, that is quite bad. Anyway. Is Ed Hall the guy in The Hangover?
1: Ed Helms. Ed Helms. Yeah, he's a guy from The Hangover.
0: Oh my god! We've now I'm now mixed up. I'm like Anthony Anthony Edward Helms head Michael Moore the fourth. <laughs> One of those.
1: Anthony Michael Mandy Moore.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, I'd, she'd be great in an episode of Doctor Who.
0: Yeah, she would be great in an episode of Doctor Who.
1: Just like anyway. in a load of prosthetics, as just like in This Is Us.
0: Anyway, back on track.
1: What's your favourite rose moment of this episode?
0: Um, probably when she talks to the twig. Oh really? I find it really funny. Um, I, I, it, oh, interestingly not as it's it, I, I didn't find it funny in the original viewing. I was like, well, oh, that's stupid, and I think it's the way that she says, "I'm talking to a twig," and it's the it's the way that she pulls back after that. I find so funny um i also in, in a more serious note i also like her conversation r- with rafello at the beginning of it um i think it differentiates it's it's nice to see that the the mo- the person that she has an instant corre- uh, instant connection to is the normal person on the ship not the uber uber rich person on the ship
1: it's almost like class distinctions transcend species yes my favorite my favorite moment is is in the same scene as the twig It's when she calls her mum, which it kind of just it breaks my heart, but partly because Camilla Kadori is also i mean she's good as in everything that she does as Jackie yes just every time I see her that's often my favorite part of an episode
0: i like I like the transition between sort of her like ban- bantering between it. it's like Wednesday all day and then it's, and then the i think she says something along the lines of like are you okay okay sweetheart you never call during uh, the day yeah literally that that broke
1: my heart (laughs) call your mum rose
0: and it breaks my heart that like jackie knows rose so well that she's like you're calling in the middle of the day this is weird like i like the fact that their bond is so strong that that they that they know each other even in this one in this phone conversation
1: you, you, All right, you say that, but they have a phone conversation in Rose, where Jackie just totally ignores her.
0: Yeah, but she was just attacked by three brides.
1: No, no, before that, when Rose is telling her to go home, and she's like, no, I'm going to go shopping.
0: True. Well, she, well, to be fair to Jackie, before she went shopping, what'd she do? She went down to the police station, tried to get Rose compensation. So... Rose, stop complaining. I know you're trying to save your mother's life, but she did try, try and get you some money.
1: Yeah. Um, so we talked a bit about Cassandra. What... Do you have a favourite line by her?
0: Um... I don't know if I have a favourite line. And you, you... Please talk about your favourite line in a second. I just, would, I just would like to highlight her first monologue. Yeah. Because I think her first monologue is... A, there's no music, it's just silence, it's just her speaking. B, it's, like, the drama of, like, her performance. Like, she is, ju- she's just act... Zoe Molemaker is acting melodramatically, deliberately, and it's so fun to I see. I think she's
1: having a great time.
0: She's having a ball. And then, throughout all of that, the fact that Rose is walking behind her to see that she's completely flat as well, with this look on her face, like, with such confusion. <laughs> and the Doctor is, like, trying not to piss himself throughout the whole <laughs> throughout the whole of it it's great it that that's my favorite bit of cassandra is like that purity of just her introduction being ridiculous <laughs> uh
1: i i do just love how extra everything she does is and every choice Zoe want to make makes is yeah i love it when the robot goes to the adherence of the repeated meme and i think she says the adherence of the repeated meme yakools <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh i can't forget about that bitch so good yeah
1: i genuinely love it although it does raise an interesting question about the translation machine is french still the same
0: uh yes 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 it is because no it's not she, she because you sounded in... very
1: sure for someone who just corrected himself
0: I meant no. It's no. It's not because in *Girl of the Fireplace*, Mickey says, "Wait, the child is tra- can translate any language," and the Doctor says, "Yes," and he goes, "Even French."
1: Yeah, <laughs> any language, even French.
0: Even French. Like that is
1: because... the height of his imagination. What a what a fucking stupid guy.
0: What a tool. What a it goes keeps through, on running into bins as well.
1: A lot of development in <laughs> one episode. <laughs>
0: Genuinely. Yeah, also, Rose doesn't call Mickey, does she? She doesn't have his number. <laughs> <laughs> they communicate through carrier pigeon. Yeah, that's it.
1: No, it's just he, he always turns up. She's never needed his number because he's just always
0: there. That's true, yeah. He's just in a bin hanging around somewhere.
1: He just turns up.
0: Yeah, he just pops out of bed. bin. Hello, Rose! Fuck's sake, Mickey. <laughs> Get out of the bin. Yeah, it's never like...
1: Oh, it's the F5Billion. My mum's dead. And so is Mickey. <laughs> but no one cares. Yeah,
0: my mum's dead. Five billion years ago, my mum's dead. And Mickey, but fuck him.
1: <laughs> and Shireen.
0: Poor Shireen gets gets like blanked by this franchise. She gets mentioned in almost every episode of the first season and then never gets seen. <laughs> Who would you
1: cast as Shireen if you were a casting director in 2005?
0: Do you know what? I would can't cast the actress who plays, um, um, Susie Costello, in Blink. Yeah, uh, who's the actress? I have no idea who the actress is. Um, I just ima- every time I think of Shireen, I think about that actress, and maybe it's just because she's Northern, and I always imagine Shireen is Northern. Um, is she Northern? No, because she went to school with Rose no so that doesn't mean that she's not northern Charlie
1: it makes it unlikely Will
0: okay fair enough um um okay let's think about other modern other modern actresses as Shireen um oh I'll tell you who'd be good um um oh I now can't remember the name this person that's gonna really annoy me (laughs) um um ah what's that she's really fun she's really good she's a really good actress (laughs) Annoy me. Um, it's 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 um it's it's alliteration it's like two things um oh this is not fun for anyone oh this is gonna drive me insane um oh what's her name she's she's um she plays okay you've watched gavin and Stacey, she she plays um smithy's sister oh sheridan smith yeah sheridan smith there we go
1: that's not alliteration Sibilance, kind of, but alliteration is about sound, not letters. And I know this because I tutored literacy.
0: (laughs) And I should know this because we both did an English degree. (laughs) Well, there we go.
1: (laughs) No, I was thinking. I was thinking Diane. I was thinking Diane Morgan, who I love.
0: I don't know who Diane Morgan is. I'm now going to Google. Hang on.
1: You know, uh, Philomena Kunk. What did you call me? Philomena Kunk.
0: That's a drag name. That's not a real person.
1: <laughs> Do you have you never seen this? Diane Morgan, um also Northern, so I don't know. She um what I mean a cunt.
0: Oh, she's on Charlie Brooker's Wipe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh uh, anyway, this is a Dylan, Oh, but...
0: I know who she is. Oh, that's a good casting. Yeah. i I know her from Room 101. That's the only thing I know her from. I thought she was very funny on Room 101 once. <laughs> What's your
1: favourite moment in this episode, Will? Trying to steer us back on track.
0: Steer us back into the right direction. Uh, my favourite moment in this episode, and I think this comes without too much surprise, is the musical choices of Tainted Love and Toxic and the moment, and the moments that they are chosen in. I think they're perfect. I think they're timeless. Um, I think they are... Like, of all the musical references you could pick, I think you picked the best ones. Um... I think it's complete and utter stupid camp, um, and there's specifically my favourite moment is the, is this is Cassandra's like the silence where Sam says play on, <laughs> and then Toxic plays, then the ship spins, then the then they find the steward is like dead, and then Rose wakes up, and then Rose wakes up, and it's like too high as like the camera switches. To, it's great. It's, it's, it's fabulous. Uh, what's your favourite moment, Charlie? That's not surprising that was mine, was it?
1: <laughs> not even remotely.
0: Not even the slightest.
1: What I will say, in the moment where they play Toxic, I do love Christopher Eccleston's Little Dance.
0: No, that's Tainted Love. Hey, what did I say? Toxic.
1: Oh, fuck. No, I meant Tainted Love, yeah.
0: Well, it's fine. Let's do let, we'll we'll create a remix but, remix, like a mashup, up t- Tate Love and Toxic. I wonder how what that would sound like. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> it would sound bad. Yeah, it would sound out of time. Sometimes I feel like got to No, it doesn't work.
1: <laughs> My view generally is that if something is a good idea, someone has already had it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: If no one has remixed Tainted Love and Toxic, it's because it doesn't work.
0: That's very true. Um, if, if Tainted Love and Toxic are not in the four chord song, then it's not going to work.
1: How does it feel knowing that most thoughts that you have have already been had by someone more intelligent?
0: <sighs> Thanks, Charlie. That's <laughs> way to bring us up on a fun Saturday morning. Um, it's, it's not afternoon. Like, it's, not even after- it's five no, sorry, o'clock. It's
1: five o'clock in the it's afternoon, like, mate.
0: <laughs> that that is literally my morning. Um, no, um, I think that pe- people in the world are more brilliant like, than me. But I've been watching Doctor Who since two thousand five. I've known that there's 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 a man or woman that's more brilliant than me, and they're fictional, and they're going to be better than me, and, and it's fine. And as long as you aspire to be like the intelligent people, then you might you you might find. I think this is it. You you might not have a thought that's never been thought of, thought about by anyone else on this planet, but you potentially have a different take on it. And that's and that's what we need to find is more different takes on the same thought.
1: Oh, I wasn't talking about me, I was only talking about you. I know I have original thoughts.
0: <laughs> You're so rude. I can't believe uh, anyway, um what's your fucking favorite moment, <laughs> you bastard? Um
1: no My favourite moment... I really like the flirting between the Doctor and Tree. Okay. When he's like, Oh, I'm the Doctor. We're going to go and... uh, (laughs) We're going to go save this satellite. And she's like, I am Groot.
0: (laughs) Yes, she says exactly that. She says, I am Groot. She's Groot. She is Groot. Let's call her by her name. Her name is Jabe. Um,
1: Jabe Groot.
0: Jabe... (laughs)
1: Jabe is her first name.
0: Mr. and Mrs. Groot.
1: Jabe Groot of the Forest of Cheem. From
0: Groot. Yes. Oh, so so you think Cheem is a place in Groot?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure Groot is a species. Is Groot's species, isn't it?
0: That's a good question. I, I don't know. I haven't watched the first Guardians of the Galaxy in so long that I've forgotten. Yeah, well,
1: you yeah. know. This is an MCU oh, okay. podcast, so we don't need to fact check that <laughs> um no i I, re- I really love it and i I love when she's um asking if Rose is the doctor's wife and then just demotes her by degrees.
0: What is a concubine?
1: um you don't need to worry about
0: that. <laughs> is it too much for my little little ears to take <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. No, no, please tell me. I'm I'm, I'm generally fascinated.
1: A concubine, as I understand it, is someone that a male nobleman has relations with and conceives legitimate children with alongside their wife.
0: Right. Okay.
1: So it's not quite the same as having multiple wives. I, I think it's sort of a second class spouse.
0: A second class spouse. Okay.
1: That's a lot of S's.
0: Yes, that is a lot of X. That's quite hard to say. Um okay, okay. I'd be interested to we're gonna get probably like like in our, on our second episode, we're probably gonna get hundreds of fan mail things saying, I'm a concubine and that is not our relationship.
1: <laughs> I'm a concubine, help. <laughs> help. <laughs> but also there's that really lovely bit where Rose says to the doctor and Jabe as they're walking away, and I want you back by midnight. And I keep looking because it's a really. We, it's a shame that we never get to see the doctor's proper reaction. We see him sort of turn round. Yeah,
0: I was thinking that when I watched that.
1: And you're not sure if it's like, what the fuck is she talking about, or is he like, yeah, yeah, like, and he's playing along. Yeah, with Yeah, is the it joke. like a
0: wink or a smile or like a like a like a silly grin or what? Like, what is it?
1: I think narratively, it, what would make the most sense is him finding it funny and going along with the banter, because mm. otherwise, the joke is on Rose, and I don't think that's how we're meant to interpret it yeah okay because she's not made she's not threatened by jay because she's not into the doctor in that way it's not it's not sexual
0: i think it's not necessarily sexual but it is a it's a it's an overwhelming crush and not overwhelming in like like a like an all-encompassing way but overwhelming is like oh my gosh it's just like this the speed of this guy has been wrapped just like the speed of this guy. <laughs> Maybe not that.
1: Uh, I wasn't going to pull you up on it, but... <laughs>
0: the way that Rose is... <laughs> the way that Rose is, like, whisked up into this man's life. I think she's, like... I think that that she has this funny look. It it, it doesn't end on the doctor's look. It ends on Rose's look. And she's sort of looking like... Like, it's, it's a weird facial expression. And I don't exactly know what that is. Um, is it, like, oh, damn it. I, that should be mine. Or is it, like...
1: I may be wrong, and I think we'll see it as we go through these episodes one by one. The chemistry between the Doctor, this Doctor, and Rose is never sexual. Mm. It can be romantic and it can be sweet, but I don't think it's ever, you know, steamy. No, I agree. (laughs) It becomes sexy very quickly with number
0: 10. Oh yeah, well, first episode, out of the gate. Um, Smooch. smoochy, 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 smoochy. Smooch City. Shall we go on to least favourite moments? What was your least favourite moment of, the, of this episode? Uh,
1: my least favourite moment by a huge way is everything with the fans.
0: Everything with the fans?
1: Yeah, it's um, with the huge rotating blades. I just think it feels like a hacky video game.
0: Yeah, and it does feel like... It feels like Cassandra's special effects was done so well and the little robots were done really well for 2005 technology and then to skimp out on the main action sequence and that main action sequence only it's it's sorted ridiculously quickly that whole situation
1: but also how does the doctor do it does he it's a big moment when he like closes his eyes and walks through the fan but like how does he do that
0: if we're going to my own headcanon the way that i think he does it is that when he's looking at the fan and cl- cl- when he's closing his eyes in front of the third fat third fan, um, you can see his eyeballs like flicking from side to side. And so in my mind, it's him getting into a rhythm of the time of the fan because he's a time lord, so that he can step forward. Granted, that head is not that interesting, not that clever, or not that like good as a description. But it's and he the only never uses way- it again. And he never uses it again. So for me, that's the that's that's justification of something I also find as quite a sticking annoying thing.
1: Uh, I I just I don't like that moment. Put simply, um, I think that especially considering the climax is his confrontation with Cassandra. Yeah, and that just feels the the whole platform and the fans just feel it feels a bit underwhelming and then t- it turns out oh jabe's dead i think that's also very underwhelming
0: yeah and it's it's yeah it it does it does feel like her function was her she was a fantastic character but then like that she dies so quickly that her legacy is that she is the character that introduces us to the idea that the doctor is a time lord um yeah and it's only review in this episode that i remember that she is such she is such a good character um um my least favorite moment um huh. I'm trying to remember what it is I I I have a really stick oh there we go um it's very pinnicky penic- but it's the beginning of the episode it's the first shot that is rose sees when she comes out of the tardis is a grate. and i know you could say that it's foreshadowing of like the creatures coming through the grate and etc but like the first shot that you show to the audience is a grate in a small room um, of Rose coming out of the TARDIS. Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? You look. You look confused.
1: I. I honestly can't remember what you're talking. Okay. About. So
0: the Doctor. So Rose. The first time that Rose exits the TARDIS, she exits the TARDIS, and and the and the next shot is just a grate. It's just a grate there's no it's not the it's not the observation deck it's not anything like that it's just a great and i'm like there are other ways of signifying where you are and like slowly building up the idea of where you are than showing a great um and i think this this is the other thing that annoys me about this episode is that it's it's done very well and obviously the budget was stretched for what 2005 could allow but things like that great and also later on when rose is talking to um, the curtain that just is there for no reason. Um, just annoys me. It's a it's dumb curtain. It's a dumb curtain. Um, does Rose leave from like escaping that curtain? That does she doesn't go through the curtain? like Do that, do that annoying thing I... that everyone has to go through a curtain does? They sort of have to like move their limbs around. What,
1: and Wise style?
0: <laughs> Literally, yeah. Oh like we are doing a magic spell.
1: Oh my god, what if Cassandra came through a curtain?
0: It gets stuck on, stuck on the skin. just like <laughs> oh my it get, gets caught in like a zip zip of the little curtain thing and so I'm just like she's just like flapping in the curtain. What happens if she
1: falls out of the metal frame?
0: I don't know. I'd have loved, like, <laughs> I'd have loved the first shot of Cassandra to be just the frame walk in and then her saying, fuck's sake, you've dropped me. And then just someone dragging her, like, on the floor. But then I don't think she'd be connected to the brain. That's true. I always forget that Cassandra's brain is underneath that whole contraption.
1: That's my favourite detail about that whole character design.
0: Mm. It's thought out. I think that's the, that's the nice thing about all of them is that they're thought out. Um, maybe not the face of Bo <laughs> we,
1: we can get to that um, so let's talk about easter eggs what is your uh, favourite?
0: yes um, I don't know if this is necessarily an easter egg um, I feel like I'm starting every segment of I don't know if this is necessarily an easter egg uh, which is a good se- good start for a section called easter eggs um, I am but saying I like it's how... an easter egg <laughs> yeah I like that um Platform one forbids the use of weapons, teleportation, and religion, um, because all like that. three
1: are damaging in different ways.
0: Yeah, I think that sort of speaks to like weapons, teleportation, and religion are all the like throughout the throughout the series is like the the the, the through line of if you if you have weapons can teleport or are religious in Doctor Who in some way you're either evil or you're part of a cult. I feel like that's that's what's shown in this in this.
1: It, it again. I think it's a really good joke, and I think it does land. Mm. Um, but having said that, it's a weird, um, <laughs> it's a weird joke to make in this episode when you have the adherents of the repeated meme, who I thought were a religion.
0: Now that is an Easter egg that is not an Easter egg, but it is has become an Easter egg because meme culture has become such that the adherence of the repeated meme was a was a funny thing in two thousand and five. But again, similar to the sort of the plastic surgery and Cassandra discussion, has become a lot more relevant in, in social media times. It's just Rusty Davis being brilliant again.
1: Ahead of his time.
0: Yes. I have an actual Easter egg I've just found in my notes.
1: Oh I thought like you had you found an Easter egg.
0: I found an actual easter egg um drinks in the manchester suite um that's that's uh because i believe queer as folk was set in manchester so he wanted to have manchester there somewhere oh that's cool yeah yeah
1: um only easter eggs i can think obviously you have the reference to the time war yeah um which comes at the end in a really nice moment which we haven't really talked about but i don't want to so (laughs) Okay. And, um... Uh, yes, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... First mention yeah, of Bad Wolf uh, by the Mox of Balhoon, who says, this is the Bad Wolf scenario, which... I don't know how that makes sense, but I'm sure it does.
0: I think with the bad wolf scenario, like, it doesn't make any sense. And throughout the series, we have more inventive ways of bad wolf. But I think when, when you put bad wolf into a future scenario um, as, not, as something that's not meaning meaningless words, it just doesn't really work in my mind. Like, what is the bad wolf scenario? Like, I forget the bad wolf is mentioned in this episode because it's so badly mentioned in this episode.
1: Yeah, I see that. Another easter egg, which I'm not sure if it is... Like you, I'm not sure it is an easter egg, but Cassandra has a line where she says to the doctor, I bet you were the school swat and never got kissed. Mm. And some people think that is a reference to the 1996 movie with Paul McGann, where Paul McGann kisses Daphne Ashbrook.
0: Interesting.
1: I um, I don't know whether it is, but it would be... In, it would be interesting if they thought they'd reference how much of an outcry that caused. Yeah. Oh, the Doctor never gets kissed, but he gets a kiss at the end of this se- season, so...
0: Yes, it is to suck up time energy, but um, sucking and kissing, I mean, what more can you want from Doctor Who?
1: That's a Saturday night. Um, <laughs> interesting Interesting fact, uh, again, not quite an easter egg, but um, the... Voice of Cassandra, obviously provided by Zoe Wanamaker, but she couldn't make it to the um, studio where they were filming it and all her voice bits were done in post in a studio in London. And because this was filmed back-to-back with The Unquiet Dead, do you know who performed the voice for Cassandra on set? No. It was Eve Miles.
0: Fuck off. Really?
1: Who plays Gwyneth. That is an over-the-top reaction, considering you already knew this. <laughs> I like that you're pretending not to.
0: I even cute. winked on camera. I was like, don't mention it, Charlie. They'll know. They'll, they'll not know. <laughs> but that is still an amazing fact. It is such a cool
1: fact, and I really want to see that clip.
0: <laughs> yeah, so do I. Um, I think it's on Doctor Who Confidential. Speaking of which, you have to watch the Doctor Who Confidential for this episode, because you see... Well,
1: I don't have to do anything.
0: You don't have to do anything, but I strongly yeah. advise you to, because you see the mocks of Balhoon being dragged in on a rope, and at one time you see him hit the door. You see him, like, get
1: pulled into a door. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely watching that. You send me the link for that, I'm definitely going to watch it.
0: Yeah, I will definitely show you that. Um, I suppose this is... I'm just going to end Easter eggs on this, because I think this is a nice place to end. This is, an, again, not really an Easter egg, but... The foreshadowing of what will later become an Easter egg of the face of Bo throughout this whole episode. the face of Bo is just another one of the alien aliens that is true, mm-hmm. but it's the face of Bo suite that's talked that's um gotten to by ruffalo It's the face of Bo that he's immediately framed. It's the face of Bo that's sponsoring the the event. and so I think this is the this putting the face of Bo on the pedestal for him to later show up. And he literally shows up later this season in a couple of episodes' time. So I think that's an Easter egg of some description,
1: yeah, um, it does feel like they're threading it. yeah, I, so yeah, I because he does fuck he does fuck all he does fuck all in this
0: episode. He does. There are some very funny shots of the face and face of Bo at the end when like there's carnage and the of Balloon stands just shaking in his glass ta- glass jar. Oh my God. <laughs> it's really go, paddling face of Bo, he's just like wobbling around. <laughs>
1: because i always imagine him as like so calm and austere but he's just like he's a wobbler
0: yes he's always he's a wobbler sorry he's a wobbler. i didn't fully click with he's a wobb- <laughs> oh you know that face of bow he's such a wobbler
1: oh my god he's such a wobbler
0: such a wobbler um okay so f- let's m- finishing thoughts for this episode finishing thoughts um well before, just before finishing thoughts we haven't talked about the doctor being sexy or not-
1: uh, well we we kind of already did. i was thinking skip that because we basically kind of did okay. so well, we're going to skip that for this episode unless there was anything unless there was
0: anything i missed just one thing you missed which is um i think that christopher eccleston does one of the the sexiest power play moves of his whole series which is when he's sitting down and he's starting to explain to rose what the tardis does in terms of the um the telekinetic um changing of languages um, he, like, leans down and cocks his knee like he's, like, l- lounging on a chaise long, And I think that's sexy. I think that's a power sex move. Um,
1: I wonder if that's you reading into it.
0: Maybe, but hey.
1: I mean, there's that cute bit where um, it's not so much sexy as it is cute when Jay puts her hand on his arm and then he puts his hand there as well.
0: I wouldn't say that's sexy. He's literally crying at that moment.
1: Uh, tears turn me on. <laughs> Sad is the new sexy. Will yeah,
0: it's like Harry and Cho in it, Ch- Harry and Cho in Order of the Phoenix. How was it? Wet.
1: Oh, <laughs> that that that's aged well. That really you know that in Order well. of the Phoenix, where he just licks her cheeks and just swallows the salt water from her eyes.
0: Oh God, um, yeah,
1: uh, Harry, you you're great, but you make some decisions.
0: Yeah, especially in book five. Um,
1: yeah, but you know what. I don't. I, I don't. It's not a Harry Potter have...
0: podcast. It's not two podcast. No, it's
1: not. It's, it's really not. We'll do so, yeah, uh, next week.
0: Closing thing. Yeah, we'll switch to Harry Potter next week.
1: <laughs> next week. We do every other week. Um, so, finishing uh, thoughts. What would you give this episode out of nine?
0: Uh, I would give this episode a seven out of nine. Um, so would I. I'd give this a seven out of nine. I think it's a really good episode. I think it's one of the better ones. I think it's one of the better standalone episodes in season one. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's a, with Rose, it's a great opener. But I also think, by itself, it's a good open, It's a good sort of like opener of the series as well. Um, I agree.
1: I think they do so much right. I would say that the things that really let it down are some slightly shoddy um, production design, just based on the set and the sequence with the rotating blades, which might be a personal gripe of mine. But I just thought it was a bit shit.
0: Yeah, and I think if we were going to add to that maybe the fact that cassandra is such so obviously the villain and the repeat, repeat yeah. adherence of the repeater meme aren't um so yeah that's my thoughts have you got anything else to say not at all uh, should we call it a night let's call it a night um, or a morning <laughs> all right take care all right take care